Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have the laughing Bill Graham. Hello. I see that you appreciated my song choice. Hell yeah. <laughs> and, and anytime you can play uh, Lion King music, just just go ahead and sneak it on. As evidenced by the fact that like I, I admitted on our West Side Story uh, podcast that I don't think I like uh, live action musicals, but I fucking love them <laughs> animated shows. <laughs> You're like, my favorite musicals are just like everything that's ever been animated ever. It's just like, I'm sensing <laughs> a real pattern here. Um, also with us today, we have Rob and Barr. Unsex me. <laughs> You had to do it, didn't you? You had to, had to. Make <laughs> For legal purposes, I will say that no one has presently on this podcast attempted to sex Robin Barr. Or unsex me. <laughs> no one's tried to unsex her either. Uh, there's been none of that. Uh, Robin, would you like to do the honors of introducing our guest? Yes, um, and I will let her speak for herself as well. So uh, we are doing today's episode on the tragedy of Macbeth, the new Joel Cohen movie. And I thought it would be very special to invite on somebody who I know knows Macbeth, the play, very well. My own 10th grade honors English teacher, Evelyn Sideri. Woo! Ah, yes. Yay! Um, Yay! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Evelyn Sideri, 32-year veteran of the classroom, um, Shakespeare enthusiast, named my son William, my family didn't know I was doing that, but that's okay. Give them a good solid name. You bet. <laughs> you got it. It's also um, adaptable because, like, there have been a lot of guys named William. You know, it could be anything. For sure. <laughs> um, don't know why I thought I'd, he'd be anything besides an English major, but um, <laughs> here we are. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because Macbeth is one of those things that English teachers get taxed to do every single year. However... Uh, I loves me a good ghost story, and uh, if there's murder and mayhem, I'm in. So this this, this was a this was a good assignment. <laughs> yeah, super. It's gonna be a really super fun episode, I think. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I see no reason to presently disagree with that. Evelyn, I also want you to know uh, this was a coincidence, but I am wearing my National Honor Society T-shirt. Oh my god! Ah. My, probably my oldest garment. <laughs> can't get rid of it huh? I, no <laughs> okay everyone let's let's we all gotta go around the horn now what's our oldest garment bill graham <laughs> god uh ow that i have in my possession yeah like that i guess that you still wear. wear yeah that you still wear that's in rotation oh, okay uh <laughs> i don't know there's there's been a lot of stuff that i like pulled out of rotation recently since especially since getting in a really getting married so yeah i uh i have upgraded my wardrobe so um hmm i i i, I don't know 
It's weird because like for me, I just know immediately it's like this one sweater I have that's like just grown with me through the years, and it's just uh, bananas. It's it's super Since old. When like how what is a sweater? Like I think it was like junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even as I like got older and like put on a bunch of weight, I just like wore it so much that I guess the gradual expansion of my body <laughs> stretched it out as well. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess, and my the gradual arc... loosening of the threads. Right now, it's <laughs> my... now it's like now I've lost weight and it's like oh, it's super baggy again, but not in the way it used to be. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. What were you saying, Bill? My, my I guess, uh, on, on the the coattails of uh, what Brian said, uh, I guess mine is a sweater. It's an ugly Christmas sweater, and it's uh, of R two D two. So yeah, I guess. How old I guess is that's, it? Uh, like it's before Erica, so maybe five years, six years, what? something like that. Oh. That's yeah. not that old, dude. Six years BE. Yeah. I see. So- s- sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> six years BE. Uh, okay, my, my oldest my oldest sweater is probably older than everybody on my screen. That's uh, not good. That's- How old is it? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking 1988. Oh, no. <laughs> That's how old I am. <laughs> I, I was alive for one year when you acquired that garment. So, so, so this garment is uh, hung to dry. Um and laid flat. <laughs> it, it must be preserved at all costs. No flashes around it. Yeah. No God, no. Put in a bag in that protects it from UV light. <laughs> oh, oh, almost as old as my relationship, but okay, we move on. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, yes. As Robin said, we are here to talk about the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, this film, written and directed by Joel Cohen, um, not not going to give Will Shakespeare even <laughs> a little bit of credit right there. Um, we're, before we get into it, the usual stuff up front. You don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook The Film State Show, email us podcastfilmstage.com, and of course you can give us a comment or rating on iTunes. And don't forget to go to Patreon.com/slash The Film Stage Show to uh, give us your money for as little as one dollar an episode you get access to our awesome slack channel and first crack at all of our raffles i would also like to say that we are of course brought to you by movie the curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe every day movie premieres a brand new film whether it's a timeless classic a cult favorite or an acclaimed masterpiece it's guaranteed to be either a movie you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before and there will always be something new to discover uh in that vein this week movie is launching a new series a place of her own three by nuchka von brockel i believe that is the way to pronounce that uh but i have no way of knowing for certain prioritizing female subjectivity in a career that would span four decades uh this director was the first dutch woman to direct a feature film provocative tales of sexual awakening and personal emancipation the three newly restored films in our series are little known outside of the Netherlands. The series starts with the debut. Who would have thought? Then we get a woman like Eve <laughs> and at last the cool lakes of death. And uh, honestly, I'm looking forward to the cool lakes of death the most because that is one hell of a title. So if you have any interest in seeing these films, which of course have been hand selected by movies curators, you can go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial to check them out. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. That's mubi.com slash filmstage 
for a whole month of great cinema for free. So that's that. Um, I don't think we have anything else to catch up on. Bill, thank you for rejoining us. I assume that you are fine. Oh, you didn't catch yeah. The vid. Uh, I did not catch COVID. Um, but my goodness, everybody around me seems to be contracting the damn thing, which uh, seems like it's happening all over the country in particular. So um, definitely out there. Uh, fun stuff. Yes, yes. This Omicron, uh, as I've heard many a newscaster call it, not Omicron as I thought it was called, um, is apparently quite virulent. So stay safe out there, everybody. Luckily, for those of us who still want to indulge in some fine cinema, but who don't want to leave the house, The Tragedy of Macbeth is now on Apple TV+. Plus. I think that's the correct way to say yeah. what their thing is. <laughs> and um, you can watch it for free if you have a subscription to Apple TV+, Plus, which uh, devotees of, uh, I was going to say Ted Lasso, but now for comedic effect, I'm going to say Mr. Corman, of course, already have. Rude. <laughs> Nasty. Wow. Anyway, um, again, this film, The Tragedy of Macbeth, uh, available now to stream in your home, is, of course, based on the play by William Shakespeare and was written and directed by Joel Cohen. And it stars Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand, amongst many other fine actors. And I uh, can't wait to talk about it. Uh, before we do, of course, here for your edification is a snippet of... By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. My husband. King that shall be. If we should fail... We fail. All right. So that is the trailer for The Tragedy of Macbeth, which again is out on Apple TV Plus now. Uh, I'm going to read the IMDb description of this movie. A Scottish lord becomes convinced by a tree of witches that he will become the next king of Scotland and his ambitious wife supports him in his plans of seizing power. It is a universal human experience writ large, and uh, we're here to talk about it. So let's begin. I also, uh, listeners at home, I'm just going to say, we're, there's no way in hell that we're doing a spoiler section for this. It's just, it's not. Why would we? So if you somehow don't know how Macbeth ends, I don't know. I don't know how to help you. I don't know what kind of a life you've lived. It's very interesting to me. Please write us, podcastfilmstage.com, to let us know how that happened. But you should be aware that at any moment we could jump into spoilers for this movie, so be forewarned. And now, to give us their basic nutshell first impression thoughts, our guest, Evelyn. What did you think Hi. of the tragedy of Macbeth? Um, I love the light and dark. It, it was a little hard to watch at the beginning, but you know, knowing the story made it a little bit easier. Um, I, I, as I said, Joel Cohen fills in a 400-year-old plot hole because every year the kids go what happens to flans and i say i don't fucking know <laughs> no one knows <laughs> um so joel cohen filled it in quite nicely and the other thing that i absolutely love is that the character of ross is always kind of on the periphery of things and i think that 
Cohen really gives us that that character of Ross as some kind of subversive that is doing something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he shows up before the murder of the McDuff family. He speaks to that old man. And, and he has this way, Cohen does, of taking the, that contortionist witch at the beginning and combine, he, he's aware of the classics. He gives us that aviary imagery from the jump where we have those three blackbirds flying in the sky and you have one witch who turns into two, who turns into three. And you're like, wow, super clever. The old man, the actress's name, I I don't have it written down, but the old man who speaks to Ross, act four, act three, is also the witch. So it gives us kind of this supernatural underpinning that's all the way through. And and Shakespeare hints at it, but he doesn't give it to us because he doesn't give us stage direction. So for, for me, the, the most interesting thing is, A, the handling of the witches and that contortionist kind of presentation of mm-hmm. the first view of the witches. And then that kind of lovely aviary blackbird image that goes from act one, scene one, to act five scene last. And he carries it all the way through. It's just very, very cleverly done. So th- there's a there's a million things to say, and I don't want to go on forever. But for me, the, the original Shakespeare is just riddled with aviary imagery. And I, I like that Cohen is so familiar with the source material that he's able to pull it through and, and give us the witches in this... Um, bird form that's fantastic and then that ross kind of because he's the third murderer saves flans and puts him in place as king ultimately so that 400 year plot hole filled finally (laughs) (laughs) all right so that's my impression awesome robin Barr. what about yourself um Okay, don't get mad at me, uh, Evelyn, even though I'm going to call you Mrs. Sideri. Um, <laughs> so I, Macbeth is uh, you know, obviously a wonderful play, but not my favorite of Shakespeare's. Um, and I have not seen a lot of adaptations I've really liked. Um, there was one from, I think, 2016. I forget who directs it, but it's uh, that, uh, starring... Kurtzels? Thank you. Starring Fassbender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just remember being super orange and just <laughs> boring. And I fell asleep during that screening um just like so, the polanski is orange also yeah it was just so it was like so loud and battly and i don't know so i didn't know what to uh, i didn't know what to expect coming into this and i just was blown away by this adaptation and it really goes to show the directorly vision i think that cohen has and that you've really picked up on um it's a really crisp looking aesthetic i just loved the um i think you alluded to this like the black and white the the but not just the black and white it's like not it's not grayscale it's like everything is so sharpened the contrast the visual the um the like the color contrast or the lack of color contrast i love the performances i in particular um francis mcdormand as lady Macbeth, who really goes against type in some ways because now we see her as this like 
wonderful earth mother. And she's truly the opposite of earth mother in this uh, Mm -hmm. as demanded by the role, um, which is, you know, the (laughs) like truly opposite of earth mother, opposite of mother in general, which she monologues about. Um, And you also mentioned Catherine Hunter's role as the weird sisters and, and another character. Uh, I thought Catherine Hunter was probably my favorite supporting performance of the whole year. Um, this actress, I think, is is like more of a stage actress and probably more well known in in the UK. Um, for those who have seen Rome, she plays the attendant to Cleopatra in the second season. Um, that's where I fell in love oh, with okay. her. She's she's <laughs> this diminutive, husky voiced, just tiny, um, gender non-conform. I don't even know if she's. I'm sure she, I, I think she goes by she, but does not have a lot of the like the feminine flair, let's just say. Um, and, and her role is or not just her role, but her performance is so captivating. Um, I would really love her to get some Oscar attention, um, but she I don't think it's likely at this point. Um, so I was just really blown away by the performances. And what Cohen does, I think, is make Macbeth kind of zippy. Um, it, it felt like it wasn't too long. Uh, one of my critiques of the play, uh, you know, me critiquing Shakespeare is that Macbeth is really good in the first half and then just kind of gets a little bit plotty and plotting in the second half. Um, and I thought this really kind of, this kind of condensed a lot of that plottiness, um, that makes the second half just kind of that makes the pacing a little difficult. So it kind of, it dispensed with a lot of the back and forth of the uh, kingly drama. And it really got to, I think what the heart of the climax is, which is the dissolution of the kingdom and the fall of, you know, the Macbeth. So I just thought it was a really, really great adaptation. I'm very glad I saw it. And just the visuals, the, the set design, the sparseness of it, the, the costuming, which is so beautiful that it even comes yeah. through in black and white. Just incredible. All right. You read yeah, my mind read. on that one. Oh. oh, sorry. What was that? Oh, no. Robin read my mind on the costume things because the sets are so spare. But the the, the texture on the costuming is just amazing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> totally oh, no problem. <laughs> Bill Graham, what about yourself? Um. So I don't think I've seen or read a single adaptation of Macbeth uh, without uh, counting The Lion King, which uh, I think... uh no, that's risks. Hamlet, man. Is that Hamlet? Okay. All right. Good. Uh, making sure. Uh, <laughs> I, was I like, would love, no, I would love if the end, they did so a Lion King <laughs> that was Macbeth. You saw House of Gucci, and that's basically Macbeth. Ah, Okay. That'll work. Yeah. Nobody wins at the end. Cool. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, yeah, I guess I have never read. Uh, look, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm, I'm not a Shakespeare person. Um, I it is it is the language that is the barrier for me. Um, I cannot read in this kind of uh I'm not even sure what the what the called the the writing style because it's not I know it's not period because even in the period they didn't necessarily talk like this, right? So Correct. uh is it is it just 
poetic language that he is using. I'm trying to figure this out. Am I yeah, taking this one? I guess I would say it's just like his stylized, you know, iambic pentameter-y kind of thing of Bob that he, that's what he's famous for. Yeah, it's, it's, it's supposed to have have kind of a rhythm to it and like it's it's supposed to be fun to, you know, I, I mean, this is, this is one of those things where like Shakespeare is one of those things that a lot of actors, actors are like, oh, I love Shakespeare, you know, I, I, I oh, love the bard. to speak the, yeah, the, you know, I love to speak this language and all this shit. And you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, but you know, <laughs> look, it's it's it it has stuck around for a reason. So, you know, um Yeah, because nerds uh, won't let it die. <laughs> <laughs> so you and know, English teachers. Yeah. yeah. I, I can I can criticize it as much as I want, but I, I mean honestly, there there's a lot of good in here. It's just the the language is is always going to be a barrier for me. Um and so I would have to digest it multiple times before I really can understand it and really kind of get my my hands around it. Uh, that being said, I had to watch this with subtitles on. That's that's kind of, you know, which great. is well, I mean, that's that is that is the nicety of like, you know, being able to watch this on my home home uh, screen and everything like that. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, the, uh, theatrical experience had, uh, had subtitles for this, but, uh, I, I probably would have been, uh, pretty, uh, lost if I hadn't. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one nice thing about, uh, watching it on Apple TV plus. Um, but honestly, I, I quite enjoyed this. Um, I didn't really, uh, fall into rhythm early, but as it went on, I kind of understood the machinations, what was going on, what was happening, and uh, w- quite enjoyed it. Um, I think the visual nature of it is is pretty interesting. The way that he decided to shoot this, um, you know, I imagine the Cohen. Uh, this Cohen brother, Joel, had quite a bit of money at his disposal, enough to, you know, certainly make a uh, uh, theatrical Shakespeare play. And he decided to shoot in a really interesting way that that's probably going to put a lot of people off. But, you know, that's that's his choice. And I quite enjoyed uh, it, its attempt at that. So... I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed the set pieces um, and the production design. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't. I don't really know how to critique uh, Shakespeare beyond that because obviously I don't have uh, a lot of preconceived notions of what this should be or what this should uh, look like and things like that. So um, this being my first experience with it, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, it took me a little while to get into it, though. So I have a question for you. Did you not read this when you were in school or did you read other Shakespeare? Okay. Uh, Yeah. I I, I mean, I definitely read Romeo and Juliet and then we watched, uh, you know, the movie with, with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, I think shortly thereafter. uh, Great adaptation. (laughs) Which firmly cemented me uh, not enjoying (laughs) Shakespeare probably. Um, So yeah, you know, um, but hey, I am a big fan of Lion King, so you know Hamlet. <laughs> so you love Hamlet, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I have Before, to tell you that oh, the high yeah. school teachers dropped the ball, and, and I don't know if it's just because like I don't care about getting in trouble. I think I like getting in trouble, 
the the problem is, is that we never give high school kids the comedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I, I got I got uh, Puddinghead Wilson from one of my English 20. teachers in in college, and I enjoyed that. So, well, I, and I guess maybe Twain has a little bit. I don't know if he has more comedy in his background, but um, certainly uh, that really and it's it's such a light easy to read book too that i really enjoyed that and that encouraged me to read more of him um so yeah i i think i think you're right in that if you're gonna give a kid something to read that they have like is quote unquote homework and everything like that right it's supposed to be part of their education but like that's what it ultimately feels like to a lot of kids myself included and so Mm -hmm. yeah if you give them something difficult and something to chew over and something written in this language that's you know hard to get past and it's just like jesus what are we doing here you know um so yeah i i don't know what uh comedies you might recommend of Shakespeare, though. So, so here's the one. I, Robin, did you do Shrew with me or no? No, we only did the tragedies and Hamlet okay. twice. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's a nightmare. Um, Taming of the Shrew. If you get a chance, the Richard okay. Burton and Elizabeth Taylor adaptation is so much fun. Um, and the problem with teaching Shakespearean comedies is that they're filthy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're, they're, that's why yeah. she likes them that's why they're i like full them. of innuendo and everything like that absolutely but like i said it, you know for fun the the elizabeth taylor taming of the shrew is just fantastic and and it's funny and it's a battle of the sexes and you know it's a little bit of a romp so it, it's it's a lot of fun and you know that for me it, it's it's shakespeare going when Woman be good is a myth. Forget it. <laughs> um, and and it's interesting how he handles how women function within a society and how forward thinking he really was. Mm-hmm. And I think if we were teaching Shakespeare that way, that kids wouldn't hate it because Romeo and Juliet is annoying. Romeo <laughs> is oh really? Bitch. I love Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> oh. No, it's like these two kids are just so fucking (laughs) horny and they just destroy many lives because they need to get it on, which is why the the, Romeo needs to get it on with anyone. Right. He's the one who's like, I'm going to fucking deflower like 26 virgins tonight. Is that him or was that his weird ass friend? I, yes. <laughs> Romeo's in love with being in love. I mean, I don't but think that's it's like about what a 14 year old is like. Well, it, 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 get, to get slightly back on track, absolutely uh, not. Ten, <laughs> t- ten, ten things I hate about you. One hundred percent is yeah the, the greatest course, adaptation it, of Bill Shakespeare of, of all time. Okay, well that's Taming yeah. of the Shrew. Yeah, yeah, it's Taming. So, and it, it, is it uh, is one of the um, what what is that movie? Uh, as if. Um, as the clueless? no that's, that's emma. clueless clueless is is uh, an austin novel isn't it okay austin mm-hmm. yes. austin it's emma gotcha. yeah it's okay. a, i'm sorry robin you said that yeah jane austen yep so so i'm uh, like teaching this and then having all of these as shorthands you know uh shakespeare has been modernized and adapt 
adapted in so many different ways. Like, does it does it make it easier or does it make it more of a slippery slope to kind of rely on some of these modern adaptations? It's I think it depends on the teacher and what you're mm-hmm. going to allow. Um, uh, for me, it, it's my whole career has kind of been a no holds barred kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I'll do is when I teach Romeo and Juliet and they don't generally let me teach ninth graders because I'm scary. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, so let me grab this piece of this film to show this aspect of it. Mm, so when, yeah. when you do Macbeth, th- th- there's so many things that if you don't have that kind of underlying, um, background, then it, it's problematic. Like this, that whole scene where Macbeth and Lady Macbeth are talking and, and she's trying to convince him, you know, y- you need to do this. You need to kill him. You need to make it happen. She, the positioning of the two of them, he's over the top of her and she's looking up, but she's definitely in control. Mm-hmm. And she says, we will have solely sovereign sway and masterdom is, is the line that gets delivered. And, you know, my, my son's like, my English teacher sucked. I said, well, pause. I said, well, look, look at the positioning. You said, I said, you have a woman trying to convince a man to do something that he knows is wrong. And that alliteration of we will have solely sovereign sway. He's like, oh, shit. He's like, it's a snake. Yes, you have a man, a woman. She's telling him to do something. He's not supposed to. She comes off sounding like a snake. I said, you, we have to look at what Shakespeare's doing mm-hmm. and why he's doing it. You can point out alliteration. Good. So can a fucking third grader. <laughs> but can you tell me what it's doing there? Mm-hmm. So I think that when, when teachers don't really get down to the nitty gritty, you don't give a shit what happens to the characters. Mm. And that's why that's why I don't even want to pull the language apart. Why? Because it's annoying. I don't know what he's doing. Iambic pentameter, but you know, when when Francis McDormand delivers my partner of greatness, the, the emphasis, you know, the, the pattern is unstressed stress, which is the opposite of how we speak. Mm-hmm. But in iambic, it's unstressed stress, boom, 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 boom. It's a heartbeat. He wrote in the pattern unstressed stress or the I am to give you the heartbeat so that when people speak, it's boom, 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 boom. Gotcha. It's, it, it's beautiful, but. See, I feel difficult. like I've been explained I am a pentameter like 700 times in my life and I still don't get it and I still don't hear it. And I, it's just, it's, it's at this point, I, I've like had to give up on like ever fully understanding or embracing it because like you you just said it and you just gave examples and i still don't hear it like i just but it, it's someone on tiktok man i'm sure you'll get it because <laughs> <No>, tiktok <laughs> scares and confuses me <laughs> you know what robin he needs he needs the lesson the scanning lesson where oh. i would have the kids look at the line and break it up into 10 syllables every mm. two syllables is a foot they're making English math. None math of that means anything it. to me, though. Like, that's the problem is, and, the, you know, I, and I would never deny anyone their love of Shakespeare, but I fucking can't stand him. I never have liked it. I just, and, and I think also part of it is, you know, I jokingly said the fucking, the nerds won't let him die, but like the nerds won't let him die. Like the. Hell no, we won't. You know, in, fu- in fucking Barry, 
you know, the HBO uh, show starring uh, yeah. Bill Bill Hader, I think. Um, yeah, Bill Hader. Yep. Yeah, he he's got like that scene where uh, he, the 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 female lead of the show, whose name escapes me right now, um, wants to do this this scene from Macbeth that's in this movie. I mean, it has to be. It's in Macbeth, and it just was like, of course, of course, a starving actor who thinks they're the greatest would want to do Macbeth and would want to give the speech that Macbeth gives. Like, of course, of course they would. That's such a great way to say that this person is an insufferable actor. And one of the reasons that I've actually had, I tried starting this show that everyone's been talking about and that I've heard compared to many shows that I really like. Um, it's called Station Eleven. And I've been three episodes in and I don't think it's very good. And I don't know what anyone's been talking about with how good it is because I think it's like a subpar lost knockoff that thinks it's being a subpar leftovers knockoff. And one of the biggest problems I have is that like the world ended and the thing that people are most excited about on Earth is that this traveling or it's called like I think it's called the Traveling Symphony is a friggin' theater company who only does Shakespeare. And this guy wants to uh, like, you know, audition for them. And he's like, I can just let me audition, but I don't want to audition with Shakespeare. And they're like, we only do Shakespeare. And I was like, I went to high school with you and I just can't. I just can't. It's so insufferable. And I uh, I can't get into the show primarily because of that. Because I'm like, these people, most of whom, it's 20 years after the fall of civilization. But many people here are well into their 40s. They know other stuff. Are you telling me that they've never gotten together and been like, instead of giving us you know hamlet again could you do glen gary glen ross or something could you do a steady rain you know are there not could you do virgin spring or something like do we have any other options because no, again, contrary, I, just, <laughs> I was gonna say contrary to like there i think there's this belief for especially in western society that something like hamlet is pretty a universal story and there's this pretty famous um, or like rebuke of that called, um, my God, I think it's called like reading, reading Shakespeare in the bush or something like that. And it's this anthropological essay talking about how, if you bring Shakespeare plays like the tragedies, like Hamlet or what have you to different tribes that, um, that, you know, are still, uh, like hunter gatherers or what have you, you'll find that the emotions of these stories are not actually universal. Um, and that, there is some, uh, there is cultural specificity to the relationships of Shakespeare. Um, even though we talk about Shakespeare in terms of like, oh, well, this is like the core of human experience, like the mother, the father, the Oedipal, the, the murder, tragedy, you know, all of those things. It's still very much, very specific to, you know, Western experiences, or even if you, or even, I don't know, like uh, information age or agricultural age experiences like it's it's not as relevant to all societies as as we think so I, i'm kind of with you there brian but i am curious what you thought about the movie now that i know that you're a complete like philistine <laughs> yeah now that i'm i'm a complete philistine um i i you know it's fine it's it's an adaptation of shakespeare like it it is what it is i i love the aesthetics of it I'm sure the acting is good, but I can't tell. Um, 
<laughs> it's just honestly, I've never seen someone who uh, appears to deliver Shakespeare as though they understand what they're saying. Like it, it's just like the actors feel like they're fighting the words and I've never enjoyed it. I've never enjoyed a performance of Shakespeare that I've seen. I like 10 things I hate about you. You know, because they've completely rewritten it, obviously. Like, clearly the bones are good. I just, like, I can't, I can't get over, I just can't get over bones. the fact that I don't like Shakespeare. It's just, it's just not for me. But, like, you know, watching this movie, there were things I could appreciate. I loved the kind of rear projection-y nature of many of the backgrounds and the scenes. I loved the sort of uh, German expressionist light box totally. settings. I love the the witch because she is the type of person who should sound like an inhuman weirdo who speaks in riddles um <laughs> and her contortionist flapping of her friggin' hands as she's walking around <laughs> and when she's perched on that insane oh, trellis you know in the courtyard and she's just so bird-like you know i loved all that but like I don't know. I just don't care about these characters and I haven't cared about them for 400 years, but that's like not the fault of the movie. <laughs> How old are you? I, I, uh, it's uh, 32, um, 34. I don't know. Uh, definitely not 400 years. Um, so yeah, I just, I just, it's, it's just, it's kind of crazy. Cause I go into these things and I'm like, Joel Cohen, Denzel Washington. I've like invented a half year's worth of holidays to celebrate Denzel Washington just so that we could keep talking about more of his work on this podcast. Like, there's no way I'm not going to love this movie. And then I Denzel. come in. And, you know, yeah, you, you know, Unstoppable, that, that famous Romeo and Juliet riff. Uh, yeah, 100%. I was going to say something else, but then I realized that I didn't have anything better off the top of my head. I was going to say Othello, <laughs> I think. Um, <laughs> I feel, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. Um I came into this and I was like, there's a possibility that I could like this. Like, this might be good. Like, maybe this is the one that's going to get me to get it. Because you always hear people say like, oh, well, if you don't like Shakespeare, have you only ever read it? Because really, the, you know, you need an actor to bring the words. To, like, you really need to see it. You need to hear the words spoken aloud. That's a lie. If you can't get it staring at it on the page, there's no way you're going to get it when someone's saying it at you. I totally I one million percent disagree with that. That's I am with you, Robin. I've never. No, every time. Like. It just like watching this movie, there were long stretches where I was like, I just have to be okay with the fact that I have very little concept of what anyone is saying. But luckily, I know the story, so it doesn't really matter. Like, I could have watched the whole thing on mute and still known everything. And part of that <laughs> is the strength of the direction and the physicality of the performances, which is a good thing. That is me. That is me technically giving the movie a compliment, but I just like, it's just not for me. And I'm not going to like tell any of you that you're wrong for enjoying it. It's just not for me. Like Shakespeare has never been my bag. And I just, at this point, this deep into my life, I just have to assume that I don't think he ever will be. And, um, hopefully the stain of that shame doesn't infect, uh, the future generations that I helped to, to give life to, and they're able to <laughs> so better now, appreciate now it. Because when uh, a, question, yeah. a plague kills 99% of humanity, apparently the only thing yeah. you get to look forward to in life is a bunch of social outcasts putting on Hamlet. That's not true. Because <laughs> if you've seen Mr. Burns, a post-electrical play, you'll know that the only art that humanity still has access to is their Simpsons quotes 
and they'll turn that into okay see that sounds but so what's interesting the reason that i wanted to watch station 11 is because someone pitched it to me as um you know rain of fire the movie rain of fire where the dragons yeah and there's a so (laughs) robin sounds like a boy movie it's totally a boy movie matthew mcconaughey has a beard and a shaved head um and he's from kentucky and he keeps talking about Coffeeville. Anyway, so, but there's a point where Christian Bale, who leads a group of, uh, you know, scared British people in the wake of a dragon apocalypse, is entertaining a group of children with Gerard Butler. And the way that they're doing this is they're putting on a two-man play of The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and it's it's you start you you see the scene and you're like right 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 these people are living in like a post movie post electrical world so they would take these stories that they know very well and figure out a way to tell them and like that's a clever moment in a movie that is admittedly so fucking stupid <laughs> um but so I thought that Station Eleven, you know, which people could say, oh, it's like a whole thing. It's like the value of art in a post-apocalypse and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, so are they going to, I don't know, are they going to like put on like a play version of like Iron Man or something or like bat? Like, you know, are they going to take the the culture that they remember and adapt it and elevate it into this way that you would have? No, they're fucking doing Shakespeare again. <laughs> See, I think this is all bullshit because if there was an apocalypse, we wouldn't be doing trauma. We would be doing Punch and Judy. It would go back to slapstick and bread and circuses. You you say that, but everyone loves Station Eleven and Yellow Jackets. And fucking Squid Game. Yellow Jackets is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, but that's not Punch and Judy, right? I have not seen it, but I've definitely heard. Oh my God, girl, you got to watch it. If you're going to teach Lord of the Flies, you got to watch Yellow Jackets. But oh it's God. not Let punch me tell you and Judy. Something about Lord of the Flies. Lord Please of the do. Flies. We were sitting at your wedding, my husband and I. <laughs> oh no! Drinking with children I once instructed. And do you know that every kid at that table, kid, it's like you know that journal that we did for Lord of the Flies. I'm like, oh hell no, no no no. We're gonna have some drinks and we're not gonna talk about Lord of the Flies. And it, it, it's just so weird being a teacher out in the, like, real world. Mm-hmm. And I just keep thinking, like, seeing Shakespeare live, I think, is different than seeing sitting through movies where you have no idea what the hell is happening. So see, we, we saw Macbeth at the Globe in London. And my mom was with me. And she's like, uh, I don't know this play. I'm like, oh, shit, she's going to be asking me questions through the whole thing. <laughs> and I'm like, here we go. I'm in London at the Globe. And it's going to be, god damn it, Mom. Um, but she's like, oh, I get it. I'm like, really? Okay. And and I don't know, is is it is film just not a good medium for this type of thing? And is it better live? I wonder. Well, now that you've seen both the live version at the Globe and this film, and I'm sure you've seen other versions, what is your experience of that? Because I, oh, uh, I might have to leave my building. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, is that a fire alarm? Back. Yeah, that's a fire alarm. Uh, guys, I will be back. Okay, we'll. Uh... <laughs> 
We'll keep, we'll keep talking while Robin Barr flees her building. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, I, I, honestly, to answer her question before she, she'll be able to listen uh, to the playback, I guess. Um, yeah, it's better. It's better live. Okay. Better interesting. Live. Is there now I have, a, I'll, I'll draft off of her question because I kind of did wonder this. Do you think that the stylization of this movie and and the fact that like you're in people's faces or in in you know different angles like do you think that that leads to a kind of like sensory overload where like really paying attention to language is more difficult because of the changes in like camera angles and the kind of need to reorient yourself with each one of those um to be honest with you yeah this is exhausting <laughs> okay um, all right yeah no i i uh, feel that i see yeah i could see that as and I know, well, like when when I saw it in London, I'm like they forgot a word. My son's like, "You're that asshole." <laughs> <laughs> now the feet are going to be in the wrong place. God damn the it! The stresses um, are no, off. But, but the I am like I said. Be... <laughs> what are they doing? Um, no, but it, you know, for for me, the first two acts of this film, as much as I loved it, as much as it's stylized and pretty, and it's exhausting. I mean, it's exhausting. I had a similar reaction. Like I think, and again, I think that I know the latter half, the latter parts of the play. I won't say half because it's like five acts or something. Um, Mm -hmm. So the latter parts of the play, I know better, you know, because that's the point where it's like, oh, you know, there's no way a woods is going to come at my castle. And then it's like, oh, twist. Um, But like when he comes to his house and his wife's like, so we're going to fucking murder this guy. Right. I was like, did I miss something? Like, I don't like. I couldn't even remember like why they decided to do it. I was like, is it just because the witch said you're going to be king? And he's like, well, let's make that happen faster. Like there was a part of me that I just had a lot of uh, yeah. issues with. Like, I feel like I missed the part where he's like, well, if I were king, you know, taxes would be lower. And, you know, the, you know, <laughs> like they're like, he had no plans. There <laughs> seemed to be no reason he wanted it other than that. Someone looked at him and was like, you're going to be king. And he was like, well, uh, I can't let her down. I've got to make it happen now. And his wife got like a letter where he's like, hey, funny story. These witches told me I'd be king. And she's like, it's all I've been able to think about since you wrote it. Let's murder Malcolm. Malcolm? Duncan? Duncan. What's what's the Scottish name? (laughs) He's Duncan. He's dead. (laughs) Yeah. Let's uh, let's murder Duncan and make that happen. It's like, oh, okay, great. That sounds like a wonderful idea. Well, one one of the soliloquies, he said, I have, um, th- there's nothing that's making me want to do this except my own ambition. Yeah. He he flat out tells you, there's really no reason, no good reason for me to be doing this besides, um, I want to. Um, it's just like, I <laughs> guess it, 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 and that's always been a thing about this play. Cause like people are like, oh, it's a play that's like, you know, uh, it's really, uh, you know, against the concept of power for power's sake. And I was like, yeah, but like, that's kind of boring like it's 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 um i don't know i like it's it's the concept of like i just want to be king because i want to be king uh as simba told us earlier in this podcast is just to me like kind of <laughs> nutty that anyone would be like just driven by the title like it feels like there should be something else but like there's really not and like maybe there doesn't have to be but it does feel like Given the murder and the mayhem that happens, it would be nice if there was something else to go. Some reason. 
I, I think I think what's what's really interesting about this is and and forgive me if if this is incorrect, but Macbeth does not have any offspring, any living offspring. It sounds yep. like like his wife maybe gave birth, but maybe it was a stillbirth or something went wrong and they no longer have a child, right? Yeah, she says something like that. Or she had a child with someone else. That's uh-huh. that's another one of the theories. Oh okay. shit! So, so my thing is, <laughs> I understand if you want to be king, if you have offspring either currently or planned, right? Because Correct. then yep. then you would be setting up your children for success in the future, right? right like it's, me, it's like that's why I want to be king. <laughs> exactly, um, and so. I totally understand it from that point of view, um, that this is a way to basically cement my family's future in the future beyond me. But in this case, because he has no children, I am very at a loss to understand why anyone of, of his position would be so so adamant about doing this because it doesn't cement his family, right? He, he has no family to pass it on to. So it's just him. And so in a way it's, it's just almost like, it, I, I almost read this as like a midlife crisis. Where he, <laughs> he's like, instead of the Ferrari, it's he's just next. like, what, a, what? Yeah. What about being King? Like, let me just fucking be King. And so it's just him and his wife just going after this idea of like, we're fucking bored. We're we're getting old. Like, let's maybe just this fucking, will bring passion yeah. back into our relationship. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, she, she plays it up. on all that. Yeah, uh-huh, she plays on that. Course, she's like, course. she's like, kill him because you know what? If you were half as much a man and killing the king as mm-hmm. you are in the bedroom, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Mm-hmm, Stop mm-hmm. being. Can I say pussy? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, Robin's back. And just kill him. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. Firefighters said there was no fire. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, and you're just gonna trust a firefighter. Mm. <laughs> Lip zipped oh, at the moment. <laughs> good lord. Yeah. So, and and the things that you're talking about, like he he goes over in the soliloquies, and that's you know when I teach it, I kind of move the kids through. And Robin, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I moved them through, but the soliloquies we stopped. Because the things that you're talking about, like they, they they talk about them and being king and queen the way they are, to me it's always I read it as Stalin-esque. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna be an asshole and take what I want. But then when yeah. I get it, I realize I'm a paranoid, paranoid son of a bitch. Well, so what what I think the, you know, as much as I do love the style of this movie, um the the unfortunate thing about it is that they can't even dress the characters or the settings to make you understand why he might want the king, the kingdom, the kinghood. I don't know. Um, the crown for himself, because like, it would be one thing if we saw a movie where it's like, Oh, you're the, the Thane of Cawdor. And he's like, cool, cool, cool. I have a drafty drippy dark castle and I'm wearing (laughs) animal furs. And then he fucking murders Duncan. And then the next scene he's in like this great big sunlit castle that's gilded. And he's wearing, better animal furs i don't know i don't know what the the the, i don't know what the fashion was back then but like there's no trappings of having achieved even materially better conditions 
So there was a point when I was like, is he in Dunsinane yet? Or are they still in his old place? Like, is he still at Inverness? And so it took me a while to be like, oh, they're in Dunsinane. They are actually in Dunsinane. I guess they have battlements now. Like, that's how I'm supposed to know that. Because, like, again, as much as I love the aesthetics, I don't know that they help to function to really make me understand where I am or what's going on. And so that just leads to, again, like the kind of character bankruptcy that I feel when watching this movie and have always kind of felt when just uh, considering Macbeth as a human being. I kind of read it as a Peter Principle thing. Like, he was doing just fine. (laughs) And then he promoted himself to king and he thus promoted himself out of competency. Right. So this this is, you know, people always fine. ask me for jobs and stuff. Like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I feel like I have to say like, oh, I really want to grow here. And I would like, you know, management wouldn't be outside of my, I would love that, you know, leading a team. When in the back of my head is like, just keep me at this level and just let me die. Like, you know, I just, I'm good at what I do. I'm making enough money to be comfortable. I don't ever want any kind of further responsibility. So that's why I can't, uh, you know, feel Macbeth because um, he's not that guy. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, don't don't. <laughs> I get the. Don't you want to be the principal? Hell no. Yeah, like no. that's it's a completely different skill set. Like you know, people talk to me and they're like, "You're a great editor. You're a good writer. All this stuff. Like you know, you should be leading a team of writers." And I'm like, "No, because everything that you just said, not once did you say you were a good leader of men." why would you think that i should do that you know it's bananas there's no way that's not gonna happen for me uh but again Macbeth seems to think differently he's like whatever i just killed a bunch of norse and irishmen i can totally oh no they're not are they norse no no from the netherlands they're dutch no they're norwegian okay the norwegian lords yes all right so yeah uh, so they're danes they're fucking vikings and if he yeah. killed them, that means he must be good. They're a bunch of Beowulfs, right? <laughs> That's where Beowulf came from. Oh God, I I I hate Beowulf. <laughs> I shouldn't invent that. All the truth <laughs> is coming out, man. I like the Heaney uh, translation, but I, you know, generally, like if you were to hand me the original, I don't even know if I could actively say that I hated it because I wouldn't understand it. Yeah, because if you hate Shakespearean language, guess what? Right, that's only going <laughs> to yeah, get that, worse. Yeah, that's Middle English, man. Right, it? it's like, like I had a friend who was once modern, was able to I recite, I think, the, the, the fucking Baker's Tale or something of the Canterbury Tales, like, in the original. Oh, my God. And I was like, don't you want to get laid at some point? Like, what's happening? <laughs> like, why are you, why did you do this? Don't You're, do it. <laughs> the Canterbury Tales, I have to say, are pretty funny. But my only yeah. experience of them is really through the Pasolini film. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you didn't I'll say read like, them? when would I, who, who would have taught that to me? I took mostly film classes in college. Who would have oh, taught gosh. that to me? I read them in so high there school. Was, yeah. Yeah, we didn't get but that. But you had, tru- you had Chudo? He did Hamlet twice and Gilgamesh. Oh, I love you, Dr. C. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> are we like um, getting into something weird here? I had wanted oh, yeah. to do Othello. It's like still sticks in my craw. Oh, I did a I did a whole term paper in well not term paper. I don't know. Do they do term papers in high school? I did a paper in high school on animal imagery and Othello. 
See, you've read Shakespeare. You like yeah, it. I no. I Robin, <laughs> why do you think that consuming any kind of art means that I like it? Because you wrote a paper about it. That means you've you've actively engaged with it and you must appreciate something about okay, it. Here's the thing. I didn't just like wake up one fine Saturday morning and say, <laughs> I'm not gonna get drunk today and party with my friends. I'm gonna write a paper on Shakespeare. It was it was assigned to me. And I did it because I wanted to graduate. <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> right. Like I had to pretend that I liked Shakespeare in order to get a good grade. Because you can't write – what I learned in high school is you can't write anything critical. You have to lean into the teacher saying, this is the greatest. Oh. You got to love it. Because if I wrote a thing that was like, Bill Shakespeare is a hack – he has perpetrated a four-century-long fraud on the populace, and I will explain why. Then they're like, "Well, you don't, you just, you didn't do the reading because anyone who read it would love it, and so automatic F." No, God, Robin, why wasn't he in my class? I lived in Maryland. <laughs> we didn't have correspondence I, high school back then. That's unfortunate. I um, I, like, I, I had to. Uh, you might you might appreciate this. I had to write a a uh, a paper in I think it was high school or like the last year of middle school on I know why the cage bird sings, a novel that I did not enjoy much. And so I wrote it comparing it to the Cask of Amadiato. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I kind of flippantly My eyes said are a little. I flippantly said that the Cask of Amontillado was about a man who didn't like his circumstances taking charge and making changes. Oh. And the teacher <laughs> gave me an A, but I think could tell what I was doing, but couldn't argue with the way that I did it. Um, so that was probably my favorite paper that I ever wrote. See, that would crack me up. Yeah, see, yeah, so you I, get it. <laughs> I, I do. And Robin will tell you, it's like, oh, you want to do something weird? Okay. Um <laughs> And, you know, we, I did a podcast with another student earlier or last year about what we're doing wrong in education. And Lord knows you don't have to like Shakespeare, but you know, you do have to appreciate it. And uh, it's not for everybody. And uh, like I said, Romeo, hate him. Um, (laughs) And Midsummer Night's Dream is the best comedy. No, it's trash. Uh, it's not about the human experience. Like, really? Take it easy. Why do you look like an ass? Literally. I, I just feel like we need to give kids a little bit more freedom to like and dislike what they like and dislike. And it, we don't. And it, it, it's a boo-boo. It's a boo-boo. You have to yeah. love Shakespeare. No, you don't. No, you don't. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I got a lot of shit from a lot of people last year because I liked three movies, and um, because we do a weekly podcast, that means there were like forty nine movies that I didn't like. Um, God, but like you know, that's just how life goes. Sometimes, like sometimes you don't like the movie, and it in in high school there was a lot of that for me, and I shocked the world and myself by ardently coming out in defense of the Scarlet Letter not being boring. But I actually liked it. I was like, no, I loved this story. Like, this all was right. a great oh, book. fucking like, chorus. You'd love that. Ugh, of all things. Classic you. Is it? Mm-hmm. You say things like, like that sometimes. Oh, no, here. Yeah, it's like, oh, the, this, this poor woman. I'm going to save her. Like. No, I was so I was all about blind. the priest. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm not going to. I'm not. No one's saving Hester Prynne. <laughs> Hester Prynne doesn't need to be saved. Mm-hmm. Nope. No. I'm I a sucker say, for a story that involves like a man of the cloth uh, accidentally, you know, impregnating someone and then having to live with that. <laughs> there's a there's a thing that I watched this year that had that as a plot point. I will not say it because I don't want to spoil it for people. But um, I, the second that 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 it was came definitely up, midnight mass. Then shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but the second that came up in that possible Netflix miniseries, I was like, yes, I'm in. I'm in even more than I already was. Nasty. Beautiful. God, I have to say, like, I don't know. I think the way that books were taught to me in school, I couldn't help but but like them. I, I can't think of one book that we read that I didn't like because it was so drilled into me to appreciate them, even if it wasn't something that would have otherwise been my purview. Like, I don't go around being like, oh, you know, Catcher in the Rye, that's so my dig or something. But like, did you say that's so my dig? <laughs> I don't know. It just, just came out. Whatever. My point being, like, you knock me least, out. You really do. There's some. <laughs> I, there's some of the things I appreciate about it and what it's doing and and it's and it's contextual sort of like importance. So like, even though like I fucking don't like the protagonist of that book, or I think Great Gatsby is a little bit up its own asshole. Like, they're still wow. classic stories. I can't help it. Oh, like, they, ha- they have their merits. What can I say? I don't know. Maybe if every book was taught to me, I'd like every book. Because I'm a passive consumer. That's why I'm a critic. <laughs> that is so not true. <laughs> Just saying, like, it does make a difference, I think. Or, I don't know, maybe Brian is the true critic because he could see past the machinations of the teacher to create his own opinion about a book. I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't want to say that that's 100% the case, but, you know. (laughs) Bill, what about you? What about me? Like, did you connect with most of the things that you read in high school or did they sort of, I don't know, like what was it only a select few things? Uh, I, I resonated with 1984. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, yeah. I don't think I had a good selection of, of novels. Uh, you know, I liked animal farm because of all sorts of different things. Um, but you know, I didn't end up reading a lot of uh, the ones that like a lot of my other friends that are kind of, you know, in my same age bracket or like, what? You didn't read that? Like Lord of the Flies never got assigned uh, that. Um, I really fucking enjoyed uh, Frankenstein um, mm, having like like that is a fantastic like I didn't realize how much of that novel is beyond just her making the creature or him making the creature. I say mm-hmm. her because Mary Shelley, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's not just him making the creature. It's all the fallout afterwards. That is so fascinating. Oh, yeah, like, like there are, like distinctly remember the sequence where he's in like the Arctic or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And like the creature is just fucking, just, just fucking ravaging places out there. Just wrecking just shit. Like, oh, 
Yeah, you're just like, holy shit, what is this book? Like, I didn't know about, you know, you you, you think of Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster as this like lumbering, just, just fucking, you know, Neanderthal kind of creature. And like, you know, he's, he's going to die in a fucking windmill because that's, that's how Boris Karloff or what, whatever his name is, like, you know, ends up dying in that movie. So, you know, you're like, you're like, oh yeah, I, I know what this is. And then you're like, I don't fucking have a clue what is going on in this book, but I'm loving it. So, and I think some, some of my favorite things that I read when I was young were smart or uh, n- smart. <laughs> <laughs> Not no, to to my own short. horn, but a lot of the stuff that I loved when I was young God was quite smart. smart. No, uh, they were, they were short. And so for, <laughs> the, the Frankenstein book is, Why is you short. Steen? What is happening? Frankenstein. 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 That's Mel Brooks, bro. But yeah, so so that one's short. 1984 is relatively short. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, obviously these kind of lend themselves to teaching in a classroom setting because if you give a, a kid a 400-page novel, they're going to be like, go, go fuck yourself. Right, no one's about to teach know? Anna Karenina <laughs> to a bunch of 10th graders. Yeah. Oh, my God. We've got to read it ourselves. You know, but, you know, it, it even goes back to the fact that, like, I miss out on on so many things um, as a kid because I was ne- like, I never really s- got that spark of like reading until I was about, I don't know, a, a sophomore or junior in high school that I actually like read for pleasure. Um, and that that honestly started with uh, Stephen Sp- uh, King's, um, the gunslinger and the dark tower series and stuff like that. And I was just like, Oh shit. So like, I never read Lord of the Rings. I never read, not that that one would have necessarily hooked me, but like, I know a lot of kids in my, my age group, like loved Harry Potter. And I never read that as a kid. Like I, it wasn't until college that I was just like, all right, let me fucking pick up one of these damn books. And then like (laughs) I ripped through them and it was just like, Oh shit, this is like highly entertaining. It's easy to digest and it's fun. And like the characters grow up as you read the books. And so like, I totally understood the, the hook of that. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was, it was funny because like, I don't know. It's, it's sad because so many things can sour you on reading where you're just like, Oh fucking like reading is just like, just stupid and drab and it's, you know, boring. And it's just like, no, there's, there's so many writers out there, you know, and it doesn't even have to be fiction necessarily, but there's so many, so much fiction out there that if you can't find something you like more than likely, you're not trying hard enough more than like, likely that's, you that's suck the truth. as a person yeah like honestly like you're just not trying like you know and and i get it like sometimes it's tough and, and i think that's the other part of it is i am also a fairly slow reader um i i've never been able to rip through a book uh quickly so i'm i kind of plod but um you know that's why music and tv and movies are so they're they're just the culture kind of you know purveyor in a lot of ways it's because 
it's two hours. Like I can, I can fucking rip through that and, and I'm done. You know, I don't have to spend a weekend reading a book if you can even cover it in a, in a weekend, you know, and then you have to have kind of the perfect setting. You can't, you know, you got to have it quiet. You can't fucking have babies running around and doing crazy shit. And, you know, so it's just, it's harder to, especially nowadays. Um, I didn't have to deal with it as much as a kid, but I, I can only imagine the nightmare scenario that a lot of kids are in right now where it's just like, Oh, I get a text message and it's just like, bing. Okay. And five minutes later, okay, now I'm back to my book. And it's just like, Oh Jesus. So but anyways, yeah, uh, that, that, that was a long way of saying balance. I, I like I like Frankenstein and I like uh, 1984. <laughs> I have, so, yeah, I read 1984 uh, fairly early on. I think my parents gave it to me. I can't remember because like they I was into I was into reading like an elementary school very mm-hmm. quickly took I, off I, with the reading. And, you know, Bill, you were talking about like not reading Harry Potter until college. Everyone started reading Harry Potter while I was and this Robin just keep your comment to yourself. I was in the I middle won't. of reading. I was in the middle of reading War and Peace when all of my friends <laughs> began reading Harry Potter. Yeah, I had started. Off. Let me let me go uh, pick up this light diversion real quick. <laughs> so here's the story of why I read War and Peace in the ninth grade um, was that I was going on a hiking Jesus. trip in New Mexico with the Boy Scouts, and I could rip through a fairly large book in like two days. Right. And so I was like, I can't pack like 16 books to take with me on this trip. I need something that's going to get me through the plane rides, the bus rides and the downtime on the camping trip. I need one book. And I went into a Barnes and Noble and war and peace was there. And I was like, I've heard of that. That's supposed to be a pretty good book. And it's got (laughs) war in it. I'm a fan of war as like, you know, a fun diverting you know piece of pop culture and so i picked it up and then i started reading it and it was much to my surprise that like 300 pages in i didn't want to read any more about the war i wanted to get back to the salons and the balls <laughs> but anyway so I'm i read trying it not to throw up right now <laughs> I read and so that was also why i said you can't you know teach anna karenina to a bunch of 10th graders because i did in fact read anna karenina for the first time in the 10th grade why are there Boy Scouts in ninth grade. What I don't understand the question. Make your Eagle Scout. Yeah, what are you talking about? You can go all the way to Eagle Scout High School. You become like where you. You become a you like I don't you you become a Boy Scout for the first time in like the sixth grade, and then you progress through the ranks, and you you know you either make Eagle Scout by the time you turn eighteen or you don't. And so you're like an adult Boy Scout. How old do you think ninth graders are? Like, I don't know. It's like 14? 14 years old? Like, what is... Are You're we like talking still about... still a Boy Scout at 14? Are we I, talking I think about Boy licorice like, pizza again? <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, what are you talking about? No, I, teenagers I, 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 are I, Boy Scouts. I don't understand the... I don't understand what's happening, Robin. I think that's I, my I think, problem. I think, I think the closer you get to being of driving age, the more I think of Boy Scouts as you've aged out of it by that Yes, point. thank you. It's like if you're asking for your mom's tit milk, maybe you shouldn't be nursing. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, wow. What the, first of all, what do you God, think you do in the Boy Scouts? Because I wouldn't want a six-year-old to like 
ford a river over a tree limb and then have to like start a Spartans fire with rocks and set up camp Smartens. she she takes her, her history from 300 i love it yeah but spartans <laughs> trained as boys into manhood when they would hopefully die glorious in battle they, they also lived shorter lives back then like 30 was a fucking old person back oh then, yeah leonidas so. is I like think that's a myth having a midlife crisis Do you, at 12. really do you really? I think it's an average, yeah. I, right, I think well, infant mortality was so high. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'm just shocked that Robin's like, ew, like a 14-year-old Boy Scout. Like, I don't understand. I just feel like, shouldn't you be like, I don't know, doing, I, I don't know, whatever. Like, I was I was never into outdoor shit. Like, I couldn't wait to get away doing, from camp. Doing, like, rope courses and setting fires in the middle of the wilderness is exactly the type of shit that I wanted to do, like, I'll do it now. I'd go out and do that right now if someone gave me the option. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't grant your price. Yeah, I love setting fires in a forest. Do you not? <laughs> okay, okay. Let, let, let me let me clear something real quick. Thank you. Was this glamping or was this like full on? This was literally backpacking, trudging through the mountains of New Mexico. I don't like. It's not glamping. I had to carry my tent on my back. For okay, but like 120 ha- miles. Okay, what was your food source? You had to hunt for it? Uh, sometimes it was foraging. Sometimes it was dehydrated stuff. Okay. 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 I'll deal with that. <laughs> all right, anyway. Yeah. So what do we think yeah. Macbeth ha- had to eat all this time? <laughs> we saw a banquet, but we didn't see any food. Yeah, that's because he fucking dipped out on it. He just he played in the, the shadows. Out and started shouting he- at a bird. Which we've all been oh, no, there. No, no, that was good. I, I was, I, I was talking about the banquet before that one, but yeah, oh, there's a lot of banquets where they they don't eat anything. No, no, no. I'm talking about the one where he was just in the shadows while uh, Lady Macbeth was just getting getting the the king and all them people's drunk. So he was just chilling on the outside, just like, yeah, I don't need to be part of this party. And just yeah. like, really? Like, you don't think that's going to be awkward and odd that you just like don't show up for your own fucking host party? Well, the, the, what's worse is, is the second one where Banquo's ghost shows up and he looks like a crazy person. I know. Oh, that's, yeah. that's what I was talking about, where he's shouting at a bird. <laughs> I mean, at least he's like swatting at a physical object, though. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, but like, they're like, if I if I like swatted a fly, people are like, well, clearly he wants to kill that fly. But if I like say, "Damn you! I have never killed you." Yeah, you know, you can't say that I did. You son of a bitch. We're best <laughs> friends. I don't know what happened to you on that road. People would be like, possibly a little more concerned. <laughs> um, I did want to ask our, our, our Shakespeare expert. Um, I did some light reading uh, about the third Ooh. murderer. Um, what, Gone with the Wind? Gone with the Wind? Ah. Gone with the Wind, okay, with the wind. yeah. The, yes, the that was my story. light reading, yes. Um, <laughs> Robin, you'll be happy to know that in between War and Peace and Anna Karenina, I read The Three Musketeers because I needed something light. I'm going to <laughs> go over to your house and do bad things to you. Please Jesus. don't. Um, I guess. How, no, how, none, how none long is? Threat. It's mostly <laughs> farting in your pillow, but whatever. Uh, farting, Jesus! That's how you get pink eye. Um, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Yes, that is true. Wait, okay. How, but how so, long? How long is the Count of Monte Cristo? I've wanted to read that one. Oh, like just see the movie. Five hundred pages. Just the oh, one with Guy no. Pierce, right? 
Yeah, that was a pretty good movie. Yeah, that's oh, a great yeah. one. Wait, 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 wait. Guy Pierce or, or the one with uh, the the guy that plays Jesus? Um, no, Jim Caviezel is also in that movie, but he's not the Count of Monte Cristo. He's like, ah, okay. He's the okay. bad guy, right? Yeah, he's the villain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. But anyway, yeah. yeah so see that one. That it's a good one. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, but okay. I don't know if it's long or not. There's sword fights. Um, oh, I, I think I've say? seen the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, so what I read about the third murderer uh, is that there in in the play he shows up and he's like, "Hi guys, I'm the third murderer," and like has six lines and then is never seen again. And so there's been is, it, is, is this Ross? This so in the movie it's Ross. I've oh. heard that one of the initial. I'm just going to call it a fan theory uh, about who the third murderer is. Is that <laughs> I, just, I love this. You called it a fan theory. It's a thing. By, it's a it thing. Is. It's a thing. No, no, right. no, no, no. But like it, the, I, I could just see the Reddit message boards just being like, <laughs> <laughs> like this is our fan. This, this is Macbeth this fan is, theory this, makes yeah, everything. This is my head cannon. Yeah. I'm just like, oh no, head cannon when talking about William Shakespeare is just right. like a bridge. <laughs> I'm not going to call it scholarly and. Analysis. I'm going to call it a fan theory. And okay. the fan okay. theory is the, the big one is that it's Macbeth, the third murderer. Right. However, but they know him. That's just stupid. Well, you know, if it's would, dark and he's wearing know him. or something, I don't know. But so that's I was going to ask. That's what I read is that like that was a big one. And people were like, whoa, that's crazy. But a lot of people are like, no, no, no. And then there's the concept that it could be Ross. But apparently that one never really took off. But that's the one Joel Cohen decided to go with. Well, because he, he he takes Acts 4 and 5 and gives us that Ross character because, like I said, Ross shows up at Lady Macduff's house before the messengers come, and the messengers are women, which is completely weird. Um, but, yeah, I, I like what he does because Ross is always kind of questionable. He's always, like, lurking in the background. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he might have something to do with it is kind of fun. Mm. Well, and in this film is not positing that Ross is an actual person, right? It's it's a, a amalgamation of like the witches, right? Well, I don't know because Ross is is he's Thane of Ross. He's part of the government. He's part of you know the system. But mm-hmm. the way I read it is that he's influenced by the witches, and he's gotcha. kind of the, he he's kind of the. The witches don't do anything per se. It's it's the power of suggestion. Mm-hmm. They plant seeds, so, right? If you could see the, if you could plant seeds in the seeds of time and see which grains would grow, speak gotcha, to me. Gotcha. They, they just, yeah, they just kind of go. You know what? If when you go to a fortune teller, they're full of shit. They say <laughs> these like really general things. And you're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, hey, you know, the witches are right. No, they were guessing. Um, I think that they see Macbeth and they they consider his suggestibility. Mm-hmm. They're know, cold reading him. That's what you're saying. But they're not. They're, yeah. like, they're not. They're not saying anything non-specific. They're like, "What up, Thane of Cawdor?" And he's like, "Whoa, I'm not the Thane of Cawdor. I'm the Thane of some other place that Brian can't remember the name of." And they're like, "They're well, negging him." I don't think they're ne- <laughs> You think Jesus. they're negging him? No, it already happened. He just doesn't know it. Yeah, he's he's Thane of Quarter. It already happened because the Thane of Quarter has gotten beheaded. Well, they it's didn't behead already. him. He just doesn't know it. Yeah, I guess. 
Well, the, in, the decision the has been made, but he didn't know about the decision. So yeah, all right, I guess so. Correct. So they're just they're just talking shit and telling him things that he didn't know, but they do. So so you're yeah, saying they they're on the internet. He didn't have access. <laughs> but they definitely see the future because they're like the woods are going to come for you, and someone who wasn't born of a woman's going to kill you. And it's his no name. One, no one, no one born of a woman will kill you. Yes. Yeah. And you think that they just got lucky, and McDuff is just like, no, I was a C-section birth. Say bye to your head. Oh no, no! By that point, they've already got McDuff, and I think that they get Ross as well. So they're just playing this little chess game to amuse themselves, not for any purpose of like I'm gonna draw him into evil. No, it's like this is funny. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> So does that does that in any way blunt the concept of this being like kind of a telling uh, warning about power for power's sake? Like, you know, does it does it matter that it's just these these uh, these harpies kind of dripping poison in people's ears? Yeah, but I mean, which is exactly what Lady Macbeth says she's going to do. I mean, if if you're that suggestible, what does that say about you as a person, though? Like that you know, you're a good that listener, Bill. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think that's that's kind of the the major issue is you know okay cool like if if I tell you that you're going to be king and then you push for it like you know you can bide your time or I will tell you you will be king and then you fight for it and you end up you know, massacring a lot of people or, you know, killing mm-hmm. a lot of people along your path. And then your own throne is now tainted and then you end up being killed for that, you know? So instead of just waiting, um, he takes it and like makes it into action. It's, it's kind of an, an inversion of the, like the classic of like, you know, if I tell you that this tragedy is going to befall you, you do all of these things to try and make sure that it doesn't happen. And because of the, all of those things that you did, it, it like reinforces that it will happen. Yeah, for sure. It, it's that spin, 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 spin. It's going to happen one way or the other. So either you can do it, and make it happen or you can just wait and see what happens but because he's got he's constantly has these women whispering in his ear mm-hmm. going to do it do it do it do it and, and and it's the women who influence him to do it bank was like you know probably not a good idea and um, this I guess is why we can all say that bill shakespeare is the guy who really gave birth to the concept of bros before hosts it's it it is it is interesting that this is also called the full title is the tragedy of macbeth and it's like if if you're reading this from macbeth or you know reading this as a secondary person and you're just like looking at this you're like what is the tragedy like he did this kind of to himself he didn't have much going for himself to begin with i mean it's not like he ruined a perfectly good life it didn't seem but this is another He's 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 a badass, you know. I I love the at the beginning the bloody captains like he unseamed him from the nave to the chops and put his head on our battlements. He he, Macbeth is supposed to lose that battle. He's not, Mm -hmm. you know, his his armies are are weak. They 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 bring in reinforcements. That battle he should lose, but he doesn't. He he's he's 
you know, he's a lover and a fighter. Mm-hmm. But when he when he gives into that ambition, he's fucked. Mm. When he should just kind of go about his business and not listen to those witches. But the witches know that he's suggestible, so they're like, eh, "Does it? Does it? They're then, waiting for him." So I'm wondering if one of my problems is, you know, not to note Shakespeare to death. Um, but is the problem for me that we don't really get to see him before the witches get to him? Correct. Like, I don't get to the only know. Thing you get is the captain's report. Right. I don't get to know, you know, Macbeth as the laid back, chillax murder machine that he <laughs> is. I only get to know him as the awkwardly conniving murder machine that he will become. The henpecked mm. asshole that he is. Yeah. Yeah. He, so he, like it does I said, make me he, kind of question what their relationship is outside of what we see on the page of screen, his relationship with his wife. Well, she, I, she's, she's pulling the strings. I think that they have two very different love languages. And I think that the <laughs> fact that they never... He's read a Cosmo oh article on it. <laughs> I think he's, he's words of affirmation and she's um, acts of service. And I think that the real problem is that they've never found a way to translate that between the two of them. I can't tell if you're fucking with me or not because there's I'm, a part of me. I'm like, I'm like, is he serious right now? This is uh, what I would say is my greatest superpower is to. Wouldn't her thing be words of affirmation because she's literally giving him words that he should be abiding by? They're not totally affirmative words. She's saying <laughs> that he's not a man unless he murders a king. Maybe his love language is that he needs verbal support and her get or sh- and she's giving that verbal support to him no that's what and i'm what saying he needs, needs oh, words I of ad- the opposite he needs yes, okay. words of affirmation but yes. she needs acts of service yes yes I so, so that's what you people are talking about you know what love languages are <laughs> oh lord God, no it's some pseudo psychological fucking bullshit that someone told me at a job once and they said what do you think yours is and it was i <laughs> I was like, is, someone, is there one for someone who knows when to leave me alone if I'm having a bad day? Like, my love languages know when to get the fuck away from me. Yeah, I think that's quality time. It's just knowing how to dispense it. Like so, quality okay. personal time. First of yes. all, you gave me shit for bringing up love languages and you just popped off with quality time. Okay, I didn't say I wasn't like, I think astrology is bullshit, but if you don't think I know every single aspect of Scorpios, then I don't know what to tell you. Oh my God. I haven't spent enough time on TikTok to learn about all the different astrology things. But like, oh, good Lord. The five love languages so that I can. Are we silently killing your teacher? Something to Evelyn is. Yes, please. Please take this moment to explain to Evelyn. A clearly incredibly intelligent, well-read person. What the love languages are? Because you know she's going to bring this to class on on Tuesday. Right, so this is going to get folded into the lesson plan. It's like, yeah. hey, hi, welcome. <laughs> Number one, words of affirmation. So this is like when you need someone to just verbally come at you and talk, 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 talk. I'm very much a words of affirmation person, and I try to constantly okay. get Nick to be like tell me I'm beautiful. Tell me you love me. And he's like, I do several times a day. And I'm like, tell me 20 times a day. Um, (laughs) The second one is quality time. 
So maybe you're the kind of person that you really need to spend like a lot of time with your partner uh, doing nope. active work. To get, exactly. <laughs> Fuck that. Um, we are often in separate rooms all day long and we, and we are happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, giving yeah. gifts. So you're the type of person that like loves to shower people with, with gifts of some form or another, you know, you always think of them. Um, mm-hmm. Acts of service. That's a common one. So that's one that Nick is really good at. Cause he's just constantly like doing things for me. Um, and I take advantage of him and then um, <laughs> physical touch is also very important so maybe you're the kind of person that really needs uh some loving you know some affection or sexuality or what have you touch yeah so those are the five i decide that i need all five of these things but i'm only really good at like (laughs) them i'm 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 a very words of affirmation ah yes you are okay i'm Uh, I'm can i tell everybody about the gift that you gave me for halloween this halloween Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, do that. Um, Mrs. Sideri, I'm sorry, Evelyn, is uh, a user of this machine called the Cricket. And oh, it, yeah, the Cry Cut. Yeah. Is it a Cry Cut? I just called it the Cricket. What? I don't yeah. know. It's a Cricket, like, I, like, like the bug. It is. Okay. okay. I, I, call it, I call it the Cry Cut, but I, I've never heard of, it said yeah. out loud. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like an all-purpose crafting machine. It does so many different things, I think. And she yeah. made me a mask that has a little witch on it. I, I commissioned this. And the little witch is a silhouette. And it says, curse me, daddy, on it. And <laughs> I just love it. I love it so much. And so I'm glad that I have this relationship with my high school English teacher where she can make me NSFW masks so, yeah, for the, Halloween. The, the cricket or the cry cut, I don't know, is a brand of cutting plotters or computer controlled cutting machines. Interesting. Yes. So it's like a it's like a slightly lower tech Glowforge. What the fuck? I, I want a Glowforge so bad. I, I want, want a Glowforge so bad so too, bad. and I literally don't need it even a little. There's I'm not even anything doing anything presently that a Glowforge would make nominally easier. It's just so cool that I want it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. This sounds like a 3D printer. No, yeah, it sounds it's, like a 3D printer. It's like no. a, it's, it's like a, it's like cricket, but it oh. uses lasers and it etches and cuts and it, it's so cool. Look it up. Oh, I, I could, I could want one really bad. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's, 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 it's bad news. It's bad news. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, uh-huh. my I love language. language. You're, you're a gift giver. Yeah, the the cricket is, uh, is much cheaper than this. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, love languages. Glad that that's something that we could talk about. Um, so I'm going to stand by my, my semi-joking assessment. I think that Macbeth needs words of affirmation. You know, that's why he goes to the witches. He's like, hey, tell me I'm all right. And Francis McDermott <laughs> as Lady Macbeth is like a real acts of service. You need to murder the king for me. I don't know what she's going to get out of it. I mean, that's what I kind of wonder. Like, I get she power. She becomes the sure. wife of the king instead yeah, of the wife of a man who can't what? give her a baby. She's a string yeah. puller. She's a string puller. Right. She, she gets yeah, like the, all women the satisfaction of a job well done. <laughs> but does it make her richer? That's what I just like. I still don't Oh, were you not like, here for that? What? Okay, so there was a point when, first of all, we brought up the concept of like, is it harder to pay attention to Shakespeare in a in a movie because the cutting and the angles, your your brain is kind of being overloaded by visual stimulus that you wouldn't get if you were just sitting in a room listening to two right. people talk in a play. I also brought up the fact that even though I love the aesthetics of this movie, the austerity of it 
means that it's very difficult to pick out if there's been any material change in their circumstances because they're still living in a bleached sandcastle. I think that's just fucking Scotland in the medieval era. I mean, I just think that's what they did. And that's just how they lived. Francis McDormand's dress. Uh, Francis McDormand's dress for the banquet scene is very different than what she's wearing prior. I guess. Yeah, Mm. that's true. I feel so like they're just it's, it's, it's very somewhat ornate. wealthier. I mean, you know, in, in this movie, like they don't they don't have paintings, they don't have nothing, you know. So like the, no. all they've got really to go on is is the clothing and the fact that now they have crowns, which are you know they're nice crowns. They're not as good as I the just, crowns in the Green Knight, obviously. But uh, I don't know enough about the political system of Scotland in that era to know how the crown got its wealth. Taxes. And I, oh, what I it's like a feudal system. Yeah. Right. But like some kingdoms are richer than others for, you know, lots of different reasons, whether it's just like good tax, good taxation organization or, you know, some places have like good trees or whatever. And, oh, yeah. You know, the, all those trees. <laughs> that's why, uh, you know, the 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 fiefdom of Dunsinane is going to go bankrupt because the British cut down all the trees to fucking freak Macbeth out. There were no British back then. <laughs> who's who's Seward? Isn't he British? Huh? Yeah, they're English, British. but oh, there, it oh. wasn't Great Britain until the 1700s. I'm sorry, I forgot. Biatch. <laughs> Take I your war and peace and shove it. I can't be mad at you because <laughs> I am the king of pedantry, and that was the most pedantic thing that has been said on this podcast ever. So, my hat's off to you. Gold. Um, well done. My tweed Irish flat cap is off to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll inherit it. Um, All right. So, okay, sorry, because I think the the fire ha- the fire alarm thing happened. It is possible that that happened when you were yes, getting, I think so. Okay. You were running away from fire. Anyway, <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we, we've talked about a lot of different aspects of this movie. Uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that we would we would like to talk about further? Is it true that Fleance my- is just like missing in the play? Like, did they not even say if he lived? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but Fleance, I mean, so, so he, I'm assuming he, he, that they he gets still away. right. Okay, yes, okay. But then it's just like, and he's because they living in a field somewhere, like. <laughs> who the hell knows this is the problem uh, <laughs> you know the, the minute the minute Macbeth says leave no rubs or botches in the work you know they're gonna fuck it up the minute he says it and Fleance runs away after mm-hmm. seeing his father get murdered what happens to him who the hell knows so I like that he filled in that Fleance plot hole I'm all about it yeah it's good it's a good fix it's a good fix yeah, and you know, really, if you if you if you set a bunch of people to go kill your best friend, um, the last thing you want to say to them is "Don't fuck this up," because then you put an unreasonable <laughs> amount of pressure on them. They already know that they shouldn't fuck it up, you know. And they get the and yips. This, this is why people think I would be a good manager because I know how to deal with people. And what you do is you set the stakes, you set the expectations, and then you step back. You don't have to put that much pressure on them because that's how you know Fleance escapes and becomes the future ruler. And you fucking get your head Exactly off. right. <laughs> Does anybody want Sorry. to... 
I, no, it was a joke. I'm of... glad you laughed. <laughs> I, I, I think just... it's hilarious. Thank you. <laughs> all right, two peas in a pod. All I wanted to say was, I think. Look, do you want to take Robin's the... place on the show? Because. <laughs> How dare they? Um, <laughs> All you have okay. to do is murder her in her sleep, and the job is yours. Yeah, tell three witches okay. <laughs> that I'm like cool. Like, hey, Robin, you're so cool. <laughs> um, and I would. Did you need that. words of affirmation? Boom. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, like I, does anybody else think it's really funny that the one? kid actor from the harry potter movies that's like legitimately like are you talking about dursley prestige yeah <laughs> harry, harry melling uh harry melling's fucking everywhere well and yeah because he's honestly, all over the place he was 20 in... years ago if he was the if anybody told me that fucking kid would be the the hot actor I, you could have knocked me over he was in uh not a million ways to die in the west what was it <laughs> the the ballad of buster scruggs Oh God! Mm-hmm. He was in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. You'll know me by the Trail of Our Dead. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was in uh, the The Devil All the Time. Great movie. Um, he was mm-hmm. in uh, Queen's Gambit. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's in everything. I'm no longer surprised when I see him in something. He was great. The porter, who plays the Porter Robin? That was uh, that was Stephen Root, wasn't it? Was it? Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. The, the the right got. The guy that comes and greets Who's him and ta- has has this long like uh, dialogue about uh, the benefits and and pitfalls of drinking. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's him. Oh, that's such a yep. classic <laughs> Stephen Root. And he's a, I saw him in this, and I remembered he was in a, he was in one of their their films. Uh, oh, brother, where art thou? And he and has he my was. favorite line <laughs> in that movie where. He, like, oh yes, you got to take care of that constituency. He's also in the book of Boba Fett, and he's also in Barry, which we brought up earlier in this conversation. Oh, he mm-hmm. he's he's the cy is not the cyclops. He's got like he's blind in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yes, he is. He's the the man with the tin can mm-hmm. that you sing into. Oh, well, he's isn't Tyresius. that the cyclops? No, um, no, 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 no. Uh, John Goodman is John the Goodman's cyclops. cyclops. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's Tiresias. He's the blind prophet. <laughs> yeah. Tells yeah. him what's going to happen. Yep. I do know oh, the Odyssey brain. way better than Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Oh, wait. Wow. That's the question we should. <laughs> uh, did, you, did you watch The Green Knight? Do you have any thoughts on Sir Gwen the Green Knight? I have not seen it. Oh, okay. oh you would not love it. seen it. Would you I? Would be totally fascinated by it. Also, because there's like a whole jizz scene that you'd find hilarious. Um, but otherwise, it's like pretty gorgeous. <laughs> All right. I'm going to put it on my list. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. good one. I I, I enjoy that I one. Mean, I loved, yeah. and that's one where it's like you know, again, the the language is like, what are we talking about? But I loved that one. That one was great. It's really visually okay. interesting, and you it was like the, you know, seventy percent the cum and twenty percent the fox and ten percent there's a really big axe. Yeah, there's also like a headless chick. There's like great stuff. Oh, she was cute too. I like it. Yeah, I like that actress. I've seen her in a few things. Um. Yeah, so I don't know. Tragedy of Macbeth. I give it, you know, like three and a half thumbs up. What? You have three, three I, and I half give thumbs? it, oh, shit. <laughs> I give it a, a, a drowned some. sailor's toe and the finger of a crib strangled baby way, way up. Dashed right? its brains. <laughs> did I get those right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did. You did. Okay, great. Yeah, awesome. dashing. 
dashing the baby's brains out. Yeah, gotta go. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, if you, you want to watch a movie where someone <laughs> throws a child yeah. off of a balcony into some fire, have I got the movie for you. For you. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> I was sitting, you know, it's just, it's funny because like if you're in a theater, I think you have like license to like react to things. and But there's something very weird to me imagining being like, a spectral presence in my own house watching me sort of silently observe this movie and then me just sitting up and going oh shit <laughs> when i see a child get thrown off a balcony into some smoke Ugh, yeah man. wait what am i my missing like he's not stabbing him oh when when they when they kill um McDuff's a, son yeah mcduff's oh god family. you know what I, my brain I'm, was went to game of thrones <laughs> i was like wait that's two different children that got murdered guys <laughs> Yes. Oh, you're in the wrong story. I know. I, I, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> I don't know. Like, somebody did get thrown out of a window, and some girl did get, like, burned at the stake. Oh, Game of so Thrones. That's Wait, what someone I'm got saying. burned on the stake in Game of Thrones? A oh, little girl did. Yeah, the, yes. the, the child. Yeah, the girl with the dragon scale. <laughs> the girl with the dragon scale tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! I right, they throw the little kid out the the Rapunzel window in in Game of Thrones. That's where I draw the line. I'm like, nope, you can't screw your sister and throw the kid out the window. I'm I'm out. You can um, do one of those two things. So you sit down and you both. think about which one you really want to do: murder <laughs> a child, close to the worst, or thing that screw happened your it, sister. So. <laughs> oh yeah, oh this is a, this is a bad group. <laughs> I thought you liked yes, us. Yes, we are. <laughs> I do. No, that's why she likes. <laughs> okay, <us>. great. Like, <laughs> um, so, Bill, I, what I the sense I get is that you know you like this well enough, but you weren't that into it. Yeah, um, Bill's just I think not that I, into you. Yep. I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it now more than than I did prior, but yeah, it's. I don't know. I, I, I'd, I'd be willing. I, yeah, I'd be willing to give it another shot um, now that I know a little bit more. Uh, but you know, I think I think my lack of familiarity with it going into it was a hindrance in mm-hmm. this way um, because obviously, had I read it before or at least understood what it was about before, uh, I would have been able to kind of pick up and and run with it. Um, Certainly, it sounds more interesting now uh, than you know, my initial uh, thoughts on it. But yeah, no, I, I think I think you know he's he, good writer. That guy, <laughs> good writer, A plus. Well done. I would say a, yeah. a solid narrative artisan. Yeah. All right. I think uh, his dialogue's a little hack, though. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> No milk of human kindness. In He's you, no Aaron Sorkin, you know. Oh, <laughs> oh, good Lord. oh, I was just saying to a friend yesterday, I was like, I'm pretty sure Sorkin took all his cues from Oliver Stone and then just took out all the things that make Oliver Stone at least interesting. Wait a second. You're what? <laughs> yeah. My argument is Sorkin wants to be the next Oliver Stone, but Oliver Stone had flair that Sorkin could never also conjure. Oliver Stone is like 
a crazy person. Like, well, that, yes, yes. Like a nutty conspiracy <laughs> theorist. A nutty professor. Like acid drenched uncle. Like, like what movie he are wasn't you? wasn't always this crazy. He's like, gotten like super crazy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Were you, did you not see JFK? <laughs> I mean, that movie was incomprehensible. I don't know if it was crazy. It's totally crazy. If that's the incomprehensibility is because he is precisely the type of person who gets too stoned at a party and then tries to convince you that like the, the, I just can't like, it's, it's the most clear cut cinematic exercise of, oh, your friend is way too high and is now trying to fold every conspiracy theory together and it's not working at all. But his sheer energy is making you believe that maybe there's something wrong. And yeah, Aaron Sorkin's I, presentation of To Kill a Mockingbird sucked. Just and, saying. And Aaron Sorkin Duh. is just the most <laughs> boringest storyteller on earth. <laughs> but they're both so fucking earnest. That's the str- that is such a weird parallel to draw. Like because it's true. They're very earnest, but <laughs> but like Stone is earnest about like how the U.S. government is putting chemicals in the water supply to keep us as sheep, and and Sorkin is super earnest about how if we would all just listen to a calm and reasonable like you know boomer white man, everything would be okay again. <laughs> yeah, he takes all the things that make Stone interesting. And then flattens them. I think they're like, they're like shadow figures, like opposing forces. Like if they were like a Janus thing. Yeah. If they were like the man in black and the man in white from Lost, that would make sense to me. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely the Lost origin. Oliver Stone is a chaos demon. And, And Aaron Sorkin is a guy who thinks that he's being like really radical I don't know by saying that we just need to like you're calm literally down just and saying everything I keep saying but I don't feel like I am because you seem to think that like Sorkin is boring as fuck and Oliver mm-hmm. Stone Ugh. is crazy but is at least interesting literally what I've just said like thrice no <laughs> okay I just uh, we'll have to talk about this we'll have to talk mm. about being the Ricardos just so that you and I can no. pass this out some more. That movie. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Can't it be suck? bothered. Did it suck? It's so boring. And like, I don't know how many times I have to say this, but but Javier Bardem is a boxy old man. <laughs> and why is he playing Desi Arnaz, who is a buoyant, energetic little man? Like a rubber band of a human being. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Jesus. I love, I love Harvey Bardem. I love I love him. And I don't mean to say, oh wow, an old man, but like he is playing a character that is like 20 years older than he's than he's supposed to be. It doesn't make oh, really? sense. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. I can't anyway. even remember how we got onto this. Um I made a joke about William Shakespeare not being as good as Aaron Sorkin, and I feel like I just derailed the whole podcast. <laughs> you just ruined everything i mean look Um, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that i have no love for aaron sorkin so i hope that everyone realizes that i was joking dun 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 (laughs) and here we are all right any final thoughts from anyone before we sign off 
Good, good. Shakespeare, Great. good writer. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you yeah, this for, is a for putting up with us. Um, oh, boy. Uh, you're always welcome to come back. If there's ever a movie that you see and you feel like you need to talk about it with us, please let us know. Yeah, please. I would love to. Uh, speaking of movies coming up in the future, Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Can and now you can do your uh, Von Bondi's <laughs> intro, yes. which I'm excited for. I'm super excited for that. I like ever since I saw the name of that movie, I was like, well, let me just pencil in that needle drop. Yeah. I also had to stop myself from saying four Von Bondi's. <laughs> <laughs> So oh my god all right well anyway uh once again you can find us on uh, all the film stage places twitter film stage uh facebook the film stage show blah 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 movie was our sponsor for today don't forget that they've got that awesome new series that's coming out a place of her own three by nochka von brackel and you can get a free 30-day subscription by going to mubi.com slash film stage and never get to go to patreon.com slash film stage show to give us your money so that's it for today let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time uh i i almost said miss Sedari. oh no <laughs> oh no another you, one. <laughs> you just another have that one. air of respectability oh my god it's a lie uh would you <laughs> would you would you like to plug anything for people to, I don't know, find find you online or would you prefer to exist in the shadows? The shadows, that's where I like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you can look for her in the shadows. <laughs> Bill, Graham. <laughs> Bill Graham, what about yourself? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, but I don't tweet that much. But I'm definitely on Instagram at Billstagram and uh, trying to get caught back up on the uh, Slack channel. But holy shit, y'all. Yeah, they talk a lot on there. So <laughs> that's always fun, though. It's fun. It is fun. Yeah. It is fun. It's, good. it's a great time. Okay. Robin Barr, what about yourself? Uh, you can find me at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R on the Twitters and on the letterboxes. And yeah, say hi. As for me, uh, you can find me at um, personalsitebriangerone.com on all the Twitters, all the Facebooks, all the Instagrams, all the everything where you can find me at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, and of course, uh, you can find out more about the whiskey that I make at uh, schmidtspirits.com. And you can find my writing and every episode of this here podcast over at thefilmstage.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next week. What good would common sense for it do? Cause it's witchcraft.